welcome to another episode of 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. Today is Monday, February 24th, 2014. This is episode 68. I am one of your hosts, Scott Barstow. And I'm the other, Anders Brownworth. Anders, how are you? I'm doing well. It's a brave new world. It is a brave new new world. world. So the big news, the biggest news of the past two weeks is not the government falling in Kiev. (laughs) It is the fact that you are moving on to a new gig. I am moving to a new gig. So after some almost 13 years at Bandwidth.com, I am moving over to work with the guys at Circle, an internet, let's call it a cryptocurrency type of a startup, uh, started by Jeremy Allaire, uh, who is uh, of Cold Fusion fame, slash did some stuff with, uh, sold some stuff to Adobe, Macromedia, started uh, Bright Cove, uh, and I believe Bright Cove went public last February, February of last year, and then he has now gone on to, I believe he still is a connection to, uh, I think he still is on the board, um, to, to Bright Cove. But now he's started this uh, little concern called Circle, and everybody is wondering what in the world the guys at Circle are up to, and uh, I will I will blow away any misconceptions i actually don't know um uh we'll 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 see what actually uh what actually comes but uh i i imagine it will be very interesting and uh, i'm gonna go uh help them out starting next monday a week from today that's huge news there you go huge huge news the so we won't hold the uh, the cold fusion stuff against Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back in the day, uh, for bandwidth.com, long-time aficionados, the internal system uh, was written in cold fusion, and it was uh, the the bane of many a tech guy's existence for for some time. Not because of the language as much as the implementation of what was done with it. But uh, you know, there you go. I guess. Yeah, that was. Uh, those were those were painful days. Those were heady days and painful days. Good, good point. So we're really excited that you're moving on. I think the it's going to be a, this is going to be a huge opportunity in a really cool space, and obviously one that you care deeply about. So uh, I can't wait to for you to get over there and uh, and then be able to talk more freely, hopefully at some point about what you're actually going to be doing. Yeah, so, the, yeah. I'll look forward to that. I think the uh, the other ten thousand dollar question on the on the table is what happens to the illustrious three fifty third podcast? Does yes, it, people have been very concerned about that. The the message boards are a flutter. Yeah, the the our switchboard has been lit up. Yes, it's lighting up right now. People are it's all of our all of our agents are please, completely please are busy. Please do not call in. Please do not call in. We we are, have more than we can handle. No, three fifty third will continue as a biweekly tech podcast, uh, and bringing together the the most interesting of things that that we find. Um, but it will obviously be be uh, uh, slightly different than than you what you're used to, and and hopefully uh, still very compelling and and interesting. And if it's not, it's 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 very likely my fault. I, I, I was going to say, I think that's a given that yeah. uh, if, if at this point it starts to follow in our user base declines, then uh, they'll only be you to blame. Good points. Good points. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. 
So in the the second biggest story for me of the last two weeks is uh, is what has happened in Kiev, and we're just going to yeah. talk about this briefly. But I sent you a link the other day with uh, this really compelling story from Vice News, yeah, where a reporter had uh, been embedded over there for I don't know how long months, yeah, uh, and just following what was going on over there, and then of course everything blew up last week, mm-hmm. and you know, we went from. The, the president of, of the Ukraine saying there was no way he would step down or consider, you know, a, a, a new election to actually running with his tail between his legs out of the country or at least to an undisclosed location. So it's been a yeah. radical, uh, radical turn of events there. And I think the what I found really interesting, aside from all of the obviously the human story there and the triumph of uh, of people over a totalitarian government. Mm-hmm. Or what was headed toward one anyway, is the report that I sent you was done by a news agency that is, I believe, a new style news agency. It's, it wasn't CNN. It wasn't you know any of the big news sources. It was mm-hmm. these guys, Vice News. They've got about a million followers on YouTube. And it was a, it was a, just an independent journalist, you know, as a part of this, I think, news, new style news organization. And I think that's a, I think that's how news Instead of us relying on these big behemoth news organizations, this is what we're going to see going forward. It's going to be, you know, people who are willing to go in and do the hard work and have communication tools that they need at their disposal that are relatively inexpensive, whether it's your phone or, you know, a cheap camera and, you know, using the internet to broadcast what's happening. Yeah, I think that's right. So, so what was interesting about this uh, video is, a combination of things the the just the raw grittiness the guys on the ground you know talking about how they make uh street armor and uh, all these kinds of compelling things that that uh they're dealing with very much a struggle for for their their identity and their existence but on the other hand it's edited incredibly well it's shot it's, well it's it's exactly it's right it's beautiful i mean it's the type of stuff that you would never see on a CNN or other, you know, video kind of pro- professionally produced video. There'd be a, a person standing there and they'd be saying, well, today on the streets of this happened and that's happened. And in, instead, you've got this obviously SLR, you know, video camera, digital video camera type of a, a production and you've got the reporter who is actually on the front lines and ducking when when things are thrown and bullets are shot and uh dealing with the the uh you know tear gas or whatever it is that they're throwing uh running around interviewing people now i mean it, you have to always take a close look at the motivations for why that person is putting themselves effectively right in harm's way to bring you this story. Um, they're not being supported by a news organization that ha- that's driven by viewers. Uh, you know, let's call it popularity. Maybe it's a popularity-driven thing from the bottom. Maybe it's uh, altruistic and, and eventually it will turn subversive. Maybe it's subversive already. <laughs> Who knows? So, you know, looking at how this kind of thing is financed, where follow the money, you know, see how they pay for it and uh, who's bringing it to you. And then what happens when they're bringing you a story that directly conflicts what 
what Google and YouTube are are trying to do? What happens when they're saying something? I mean, we're not really seeing this uh, at all at this point, but I could see a world where uh, you know, they're reporting on something that might not be in the best corporate interest of Google. Are they going to yes, have the same yeah. division between, yeah, the, the, the people doing the reporting and the people kind of running the business? Uh, yeah, I know. think that's really important because, you know, with CNN, you kind of know what you're getting. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's driven by eyeballs and advertising. Yeah. And so the, a lot of it is candidly fluff that, uh, that gets people to pay attention, and then you get the occasional interesting story. What these nor- news organizations have the ability to do is uh, be mostly interesting stories, but you do still have at the top of whatever these organizations are. There's somebody saying, "This is a this is an interesting story. This is the angle that we're interested in. You know, go find out what's going on." Yeah, and you still have the bias of the organization that will be in that will be a part of any news reporting. So, yeah, and are these guys going to actually I mean, the the thrust of this project is not really news reporting because if you watch some of the other stuff they do, it's uh, let's call it special interest and that's probably generous. Yeah. Um some of these stories are just bizarre that they're following. They're they're you know, people that that have these little baby dolls that look real and it's like kind of like a documentary or something on that so it's not it's clear that the existence of this organization is not to bring the news to you it just so happens in this scenario in in an area let's face it i was woefully under um under informed about where things were in kiev and what the real for i knew generally okay this is sort of you know, is is uh, the Ukraine going to be eastward or westward lean? That's pretty much all I knew. Yeah. Um, and then to to see it all the way down to what's going on in the main square, on the streets, and and people, what people are doing, and how things are kind of moving forward. It was there was a lot of information in there that that really you know that helped out a lot. Um, in yep. my understanding, I don't know if that's their goal long term, but. You know. Yeah, my sense is that it's not. And I also think we have this, uh, we're probably in an era where news and authoritative news really comes because lots of people have, re- lots of different people are reporting the same thing mm, yeah. rather than an authoritative news source saying this is how it is. It will more than, I think the future is much more, you know, a million people said this was happening. So therefore it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whether right. that's a, you know, an Arab Spring event or whatever the whatever or this thing in Kiev, there's enough people talking about it in the locale, whether that's on Twitter or, you know, whatever the various uh, outlets are. Uh, I think that's really that's how you know that something uh, is real rather than just I think that's the advantage that we'll have going forward mm. is that we'll be able to corroborate what this guy said with what was actually said by, you know, the people that were in the square getting shot at or whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. So, yeah, I think it's a mix for, for at least the time being. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, it's compelling to see. I, I I love to see the, uh, the, the internet disrupting the way of, you know, the way things are normally done. And it's so much fun to see it happen. And uh, we saw it in, in the Arab spring and, and all. So it's great to see it continuing. Yeah. The uh, the other thing that I think we should probably talk about today is there's been a lot of stuff going on in our 
I guess, area of specialty or your former, now former area of specialty <laughs> with, uh, in telecom. And in the, over the last three or four weeks, there's been two major acquisitions. Yeah. One, was by, one was by a Japanese company buying Viber. And mm-hmm. then the second and much bigger splash was Facebook last week buying WhatsApp for $19 billion. Yeah. And, and WhatsApp is a company of, of 70 employees. It yeah. makes the, it makes the Instagram acquisition look like, uh, you know, a couple of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about the per employee, uh, what they paid per employee for for WhatsApp. So here's a few stats about these applications. So WhatsApp has 465 million monthly active users and 330 million daily users. That's a staggering <laughs> statistic. Uh, yeah, That's, Skype. Yeah. Skype, 300 million users. Viber had over 200 million users. You, and Line in Japan, another, you know, hundreds of millions of users. You've got these applications, which are really what I'm calling the new PSTN. So for those of you that aren't in telecom, you know, first of all, say a prayer and thank God that you're not in telecom <laughs> tonight. Uh, but for those of you that aren't, the PSTN stands for the Public Switch Telephone Network. And it's really the old telephone networks is copper wire to your house and everything you the phone numbers and everything you know about kind of traditional telecom or communicate human to human communication. Yeah. That's, so that's the PSTN and that's what, you know, we've had that for a hundred years or however long it's been, 125 years. And now it seems to me, this is my, this is what I was thinking about over the weekend. We really have, we, the, the new PSTN is really upon us. If you think of, uh, if you think of, phone companies as providing a way for humans to communicate. I don't think AT&T has 465 million monthly users. That's just a staggering statistic. They're, yeah, there's they're no facilitating way. communication at a level that was inconceivable. It's in, it's, it is inconceivable for these traditional telecom companies. to, to There's no way they could keep up. And so yeah. you have these, what I think is emerging is uh, these really large telecom apps or communication apps that are starting to create what we had, I think, in the old PSTN of really big telecom companies. And I think the primary difference right now is that if you're on WhatsApp, so if you you rewind, if you were an AT&T customer, you could call, you know, if you're an AT&T customer today, you can call somebody who's on Verizon and you can call somebody who's on Sprint. And and they can call you and you can text back and forth. And that whole mechanism has been built so that all of those uh, if you all of those companies create interconnect agreements so that you can talk to each other on those networks. And what's different, what's fundamentally different right now is that that does not exist in this new in all of these new apps. They're walled gardens and intentionally so. And yeah. So I, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about what that. What does the future of all of these apps look like? Yeah, it's very interesting. I think uh, you have Facebook that's buying up, uh, obviously trying to stay ahead of the curve by buying the ne- the next new thing. And just so happens that the numbers are so staggeringly large. Clearly, AT&T is far less than than that, mostly because there are 300 million people in the United, the United States, and that's where they do their business. So 400 and however many million, 465 million that WhatsApp has is a global number. So it's not quite 
it is, it is definitely a player. It's amongst a bigger player if you uh, look at the entire world. But these things, you're, you're right, they, they are little walled gardens, and they're all sort of competing for the same customers. And the same customer very likely exists on a number of them. It's not like Facebook is buying... Uh, 465 million brand new customers. There's got to be significant overlap in there. But there can be overlap between those 465 million and 300 million of Skype and, and however many in Viber. I yeah, mean, there's probably, I'm sure there are. There's probably a lot of those people that have all of those apps. Right. And so the thing that, that uh, the PSTN supplied was an agreement on a way to interconnect. Now, if you look back through time, especially in the United States with uh, SMS, initially when SMS came out in the United States, you could only SMS the people on your network. And it wasn't until a long time later that the in SMS interconnects actually happened. And the funny thing is the PSTN, the, the, the voice phone network, and the SMS network are essentially two separate things. When you get a phone and you can call somebody or you could text them, that actually goes through two different systems at the end of the day. They are disconnected. When, when you create a subscriber on one, a subscriber is not already you know, automatically created on the other. You actually go into a separate system and create that, second, that sub same subscriber with the same number in uh, in the SMS system or whatever it is, so it bears the the outside look of being a cohesive working system where uh, you get a phone, you have you can SMS, you can you can send a, a picture, you can call the person, whatever. All looks like one working system, but it's very much duct tape and mirrors in the back. If you compare it, and we were talking about this before, if you compare it to all of these chat applications way back in the day ICQ was the was the first big sort of blowout chat application on the internet uh, followed I think closely by AIM um, uh, AOL instant messenger and there was Jabber and MSN and uh, probably a whole bunch of others and what ended up happening was you know in order to communicate from one you know somebody on one to somebody on another one you know, you would you would just basically get an account on all of them and roll roll them up using an app like Adium or or Trillium or you you were mentioning I think Scott Digsby. That's um, right, yeah. Yeah, so so these apps would just it didn't matter. It would just basically log into all the services at the same time. And if somebody sent you a message, you could send them back a message and it would by default go to that person on whatever service that was. Now, that's not a true. That's kind of the least efficient way to do it. It's not having but everybody. But it was effective. I mean, if you were very, on all of those, you had one place to go. One app. One app. And all of your messages came in in the same way, in the same windows. And it all felt uniform, even though it wasn't. Even on the back end, every protocol was different. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter to you. Yeah, and, whether, and you had to have an account on every single one. That's right. That's Problem right. Problem is with these over-the-top apps, yeah, you know, like WhatsApp and and Viber and Lime and the rest. Of, you can't have you you know, unless they open up some kind of an API, you couldn't really do that. And what's their motivation to do that anyway? That's right. So right now there isn't not. one. Yeah, and we've seen and we've seen everything going the other way. If you look at what's happened with. You know, Jabber in particular. Yeah. That was the that was the backbone of Gtalk or Gchat, Google yeah. Chat, and all of a sudden, you know, in the new Google Hangouts, all of that's gone. Yeah. 
And so they've ripped that out and it's all proprietary because what these, what these apps or platforms want is they want for you to be on it and say, well, I'm on X, I'm on WhatsApp. Can you get on WhatsApp? Right. Because so that's what I use. Right. And they're all competing for the same, the same customer. It's not like, I mean, that customer has a, a limited attention span. And if that's they're right. going to split it across two different apps, that's an expensive thing for a user in terms of, you know, what they're staring at and logged into, et cetera. So these other apps that rolled up ICQ and, and, uh, the rest of the sort of the chat apps, Jabber, MSN, whatever, those apps, effectively took that pain away from you as a user you'd run one app, one uh uh you know application on your on your computer and it would log into everything um so it brings to mind you know well what are these guys competing for they're all competing to get so why don't they just like say here's all the users uh just compete for all of them and then cuz what's happening in the in the industry here is there's a, a new entity appears and they fight the good fight and they they end up quote winning and you're left with this uh you know new mass of users which is probably bigger than whatever it is that you have or very significant and now you're going to go to to get them well, why because most of the users attention has walked away from whatever you were doing and gotten on to that other thing and it it makes me think that well why are these people making that jump and going to these other systems. And generally, I find it's some kind of a a, a feature or constraint. Um, you know, certainly with Vine, for example, there's a constraint on how long you can do videos. With Twitter, there's right. a constraint on the two, whatever. People move to another platform for some reason. That's and, right. I think you're right. A lot of those reasons, a lot of the time, are you know, are in a combat with what the original entity was trying to do to monetize those users. So put ads in there or make it pay or whatever it is. These new services are like, well, forget it. To get to users fast, let's get some VC and we're gonna we're gonna put in text messaging for free. You can send as many texts as you want, whatever, whereas it might cost something on the previous service. So everybody goes running to this new service. Suddenly the service is worth tons and tons of money. The old guard goes in and buys it and then struggles to monetize it while some new VC-funded thing does it again and just yeah. undercut. So, I mean, I sit here thinking, you know, if you're Facebook and you're trying to, I guess, stay ahead of the game there, that's a tricky balance because you do need to monetize these guys, but you you don't want to kill the golden goose. So instead of trying to, I mean, you, you basically monetize as much as possible. And then when people get pissed off, you end up go buying whatever they've migrated to. And that's the strategy. Yeah. And what's interesting, particularly with WhatsApp, is that they were one of the first to charge. Uh, so you pay 99 yeah. cents a year to be on WhatsApp. And yeah. if you think, if you do the math there, that's a big number, right? So if you, if you presume that 330 million daily users, probably most of them have paid a dollar at some point, you know, to be on it for, for a year. And they're also talking about adding voice yeah. to the platform and, you know, be allowing you to call out to the, to the old network, to the PSTN and which is what Skype did. You know, Skype allows calls in and calls out. Uh, and they were one of the first to do that. And of these, and Skype was really the first of these apps. If you, if you really think about it, Skype has been around for Gosh, what seems like forever. Yeah. Um, but there, WhatsApp is really no different than Skype. 
And yeah, well, I would argue though that these guys, I mean, it's a, it's a, yes, they are pain, but that's a, a reaction to being overly advertised to. People will actually pay. That's for exactly something. right. I think that, and I think that's what when they, if you if you read the the you know the press releases around the the purchase of WhatsApp and listen to the CEO, that was something they believed in fundamentally was that they did not want an ad sponsored platform, and they yeah. believed that users would pay to not be bombarded with ads, and it turned out they were right. Yeah, and they, so they made that bet. And they didn't go down the, the the route that everybody seems to be going down now, which is, you know, we'll give it away and then we'll blast you with ads. Rather, they said, yeah. we're, we're providing something of value. We think people will pay for it. And it turns out they were right. So then if you're Facebook or you're Twitter or whatever it is, you can't you can't afford or at least it doesn't seem that people do to switch on a new platform that does away with the ads and le- allows you a pay channel. It seems it's it's either more efficient or, or better or just so happens this way that you sit there waiting until somebody comes and does it better and then you go buy them. It's a very expensive way to do it. I mean, why wouldn't Facebook say, look, if you don't want any ads at all, it's a buck a year. Yeah. Well, who wouldn't? I mean, you know, that would, I imagine you would get a bunch of people that would want to do that. I think that's right. I think Facebook, just the core Facebook app, you, people would pay a dollar to to get away from the, all the sponsored ads and right. everything that they're starting to do. Yeah, and then and then you know as those co- those ads in the right column there that are sponsored become less and less effective, and maybe you know ad, they they have to move things into your timeline or or they you know talking about the mobile app, there is no room on the right side, to, so they end up putting things you know kind of in line with the content. It makes it you even more kind of pissed off at it. So why wouldn't you? you know, move to a model where you have a pay option. I mean, it, you you could argue with, in the case of Twitter, um, there, what is it, app.net? Or is it, there's like a pay version of a Twitter-like service. It looks exactly like Twitter. It just has no ads. And you pay, I don't know. Yeah, that's it right. Is. It's app.net. That's the one. Yeah, some, some, I don't know, $35 a year or something like that, which in my opinion, is extremely expensive. Um, you know, I'm yeah, really it needs f- to be in the WhatsApp. It needs to be a yeah. dollar a year. A dollar or two a year, and that's you know, it. Or a dollar yeah. a month, you know, at the very most. Yeah, very most, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, like, I, I would love to see something 50 cents a month. Yep. And that would seem just laughably Yeah, or you pay small. 10 bucks a year, you pay it up front. Sure, right. And I think that's right. I think the, what's, what for me is interesting about this, of course, is that at some point I believe – People will get fed up with having six or seven of these apps where, you know, some of their friends are on one, some of their friends are on another, and they're going to want to be able to, you know, if I'm an Uber cab driver and I've got the Uber app in my, you know, running on my, on my iPhone and uh, somebody needs to talk to me, yeah, I shouldn't have to have the Uber app, you know, to talk to that cabbie, I should, uh, to the cab driver, I should be able to just either call in from the PSDN or if I'm on WhatsApp and I know how to get a hold of him, I call the driver from my WhatsApp app yeah. and, uh, and it rings his Uber app. And I think that's where it'll be interesting to see how all of this evolves and does a standard like we have in the PSDN, do we have the standards start to emerge around participating in the network and making your, making your users accessible in the network from other networks? And maybe that comes with a fee. Or maybe it comes, maybe it's free and, 
or you pay, you know, you pay minutes. I don't know what that looks like, well, but it feels to me like at some point it has to go that way. It's not like it's technically impossible right now because, I mean, there is SIP and you can uh, – publish a SIP address for whatever it is your server is, your service is, and then just say, look, you get to people at username at whatever. That's right. Or, It'd be very easy, right? It'd be right? easy. From, it's not a technical thing. It is not. It's just a, it's question, a question of, of them. do they want to do it. Yeah. That's right. Are they willing to open up the kimono, so to speak? Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's, it's a really interesting topic, and it's one, obviously, that since we're in this space every day, uh, it feels like something's got to... I don't know if it's user demand or what makes it what makes these uh, app platforms start to open up a little bit um, and make their make their services a bit more accessible. And so I think it'll be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, totally agreed. Thanks for listening. We will catch you in two weeks with another compelling show.